This is the Build Our Future podcast. We shape our buildings, and afterwards our buildings shape us. A window into the past, present, and future of the construction industry. There's still a lot of unlocked doors. Clarity with design, craftsmanship with the build. There's still a lot to find out and do and invent. Collaboration for our future. You know, I don't think it's the end of the invention. The Build Our Future podcast with Raul Faria. Let's build. Begins now. Welcome to the Builder Future Podcast. I'm extremely happy today to have John Morton from Greystone Project Management. Very happy to have John because me and John actually graduated way back in the day from University of Waterloo. Not going to give the year, but great to have you on, John. Great to be here and looking forward to our discussion for sure. Awesome. So tell me, John, where have you been all these years? How has your career path taken you since we graduated? I've been a bit all over different areas in Ontario, mainly started in the GTA, bounced around a little bit, did some consulting engineering and worked actually in public sector as well. You know, and then after had a bit of experience and actually did my MBA part time during that period, I ended up getting an opportunity at a position in Muskoka, which is the position I'm in to this day. That was roughly eight years ago with Greystone. And then I haven't really looked back since then. It's a beautiful area to live in. So we've been really busy the entire time and continuing to do exciting projects up here. Awesome. So as it were, really busy building Muskoka, as it were. And for our listeners who are not from the Ontario region, essentially Muskoka is this part of Ontario, a beautiful part that's north of the city, north of like the urban, the major urban centers. And it's really called cottage country. But one of the reasons why I'm excited to have John on here as well is to talk about what they've been doing up there and some of the challenges they're facing. And, you know, the first question, did you have any apprehensions on jumping up north, as they say? Oh, for sure. I mean, it was a bit of an unknown territory for me. You know, people tend to be drawn to the GTA because of a higher supply of jobs. And therefore, there's a bit of a comfort there that you can always... If something doesn't work out or you're not having a good time where you're at, there's always somewhere else to go and people looking for talented individuals everywhere. You know, moving north, those opportunities don't necessarily exist, or at least that's the assumption. What I found out when I came up here is that it is a very busy place, certainly not the same population density as as down south, but that doesn't mean the work's not here. And, and so there are just a multitude of opportunities. And, and, you know, we'll get into this as we go along, but that, from my perspective, has been also a challenge working up here, trying to attract talent to this region, because I think people think it snows 12 months of the year up here. And, and we generally have, you know, incorrect assumptions about how busy it is. So interesting place to be for sure. I mean, we focus primarily on commercial work, which I would say in the construction industry wouldn't generally assume that that is the work you're doing in Muskoka most of the time. There are a lot of high-end cottage builders. Obviously, that's a, a huge market up here. It's just not something that we focus on and, and we haven't had to. So we have a pretty good spot in the market up here on the commercial side of things, particularly in design build. And we do a bit of our own development work as well. I think the one thing as well that at least, you know, when we were younger and starting out in the industry, we would always look at, you know, the convenience factor of right restaurants and activities or, you know, places to go to bars, restaurants, whatever the case might be. But you guys focusing up in that region, you guys know firsthand really what 
kind of a sprawling community it actually is and actually how it's actually evolving with time too. That's true. I mean, if you look at, I've been here for eight years, so I can't talk like I'm an expert on the last, you know, 20 or so years. But one thing that we've noticed in the last eight years is certainly there's been more rapid growth in this area in the last four or five years. So we, especially with COVID more recently, I mean, I guess the theory around the tables here and in some of the discussions is folks are spending more money on vacation cottages or they're working from home more. The trades and the suppliers up here have been extremely busy this year in the summer, especially like even this last summer, once all of the restrictions were lifted, seems that people, you know, maybe aren't spending as much money abroad and therefore are willing to invest locally, which is just, it's good for the region. I mean, we traditionally have a fairly high unemployment rate in this region relative to the provincial average. So it's good to see for the local economy. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned cottages and the, you know, custom cottage builders. It feels like the last few decades, at least since I've lived here in Canada, that kind of market has really been booming and never really plateaued. How has the expansion of cottages increased the demand for what Greystone does in the commercial space and, you know, kind of building these little hubs where, you know, it's almost like, like little strip malls and plazas that have all the necessities and then some and luxuries, you could say too. Yeah, I think for us, they're definitely connected. I mean, it's twofold. So we do private sector work, public sector work, and then our development projects focus on multi-residential condo buildings primarily. So, you know, on the private side, we see retailers coming to the region because they can nationalize a business plan based on population growth and demand for services. So we've, you know, we got our first Starbucks up here in Huntsville within the last year, which was an interesting development for sure. And you can see developers going for site plan approvals for various developments, gas stations and things of that nature as it develops up here. At the same time, on the condo side of things, we have seen mostly our target market being traditionally or in the past that folks that are downsizing, maybe getting later on in life and they want to own property that doesn't require as much maintenance and has underground parking and all of those things. But more recently, we've seen younger people purchasing and buying and definitely the demand has changed over time there and the, and the demographics for our target market. And on the municipal side, I mean, we do do municipal work, fire halls and ambulance stations and I mean, that works in some ways, sort of always there in the background ticking along and it forms a part of our portfolio and we do a good job on that and we have had a lot of great projects there. So that we also don't lose sight of. And, you know, if the outcome of COVID results in infrastructure spending or and stimulus black packages, which it does often do, and I can, I can envision then that, that happening and coming down the pipeline, certainly we would be looking at the projects, you know, the end result of that, whether it's projects at schools or whether it's municipal public sector stuff. So, I mean, for us, we, our geographic region is fairly large, just based on the separation between municipalities up here. Some yeah, what's the kilometer radius like? Yeah. <laughs> Great question. I should know this off. Generally, it's sort of like as far south as maybe Barrie or Aurelia area, as far north as North Bay and then west of Perry Sound and 
east maybe to Halliburton area, but and it just depends on the demand. So we we're try looking to, at a, yeah, we're looking at a few hundred kilometers. A few hundred kilometers for sure. Yeah. So yeah, it's kind of if you could drive between an hour and an hour and a half, maybe an hour and a half in every direction in a circle, that's kind of the overall radius. It's a hard area to service. It's hard to get to some sites. There's not the same supply of trades or skilled laborers or carpenters. So yeah, it's definitely got its own unique set of challenges, just like really probably anywhere it does. But we've learned how to deal with those and how to overcome. You know what? It must be pretty interesting because it feels like you would actually notice more of a a tangible symbiotic relationship, right? As the municipal work with the fire halls and the community centers go up, you know there's going to be a more and more for need for commercial spaces because there's more residential wherever pockets being developed as they are, because that's the only reason for that stuff to come up, right? <laughs> so they all come into it. And you would notice a lot more because it's so so much more spread out in your area, right? Totally. You know, when there's a new development taking place, you know, everybody's talking about it. It's still a pretty small town area and you see the impact of new developments right away. It's all a good thing. I mean, the area definitely is prime and ready for growth. In my tenure up here, in the, within the last 10 years, we've had periods of time where the municipal councils have decided to axe development charges for a period of time or to cut them in half just to incentivize development for more growth. And that's not the case today, but... Yeah, you got to start somewhere, right? (laughs) Yeah, it does have an impact doing stuff like that. And I know having worked down south in the GTA... Like that is that wouldn't have that's not even <laughs> a consideration. Yeah, yeah. 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 So it's it's uh, yeah. development charges are going up, and that is a big problem down there for developers to rationalize their business plans and stuff. So it was interesting coming up. It's uh, definitely a little bit of a different approach, and even just gen- in general, the people you're dealing with and the way things get dealt with is maybe marginally more informal on average. Not all the time, but on average, I would say I prefer that. I like working with people that just want to be practical about solving problems and come up with the right solution in a practical sense. Makes sense. I mean, you mentioned it earlier regarding some of the challenges you guys face with, you know, subcontractors, trades, suppliers, what have you. Can you share some of those channels? And I'm also really curious, is there like a direct link as well to the same challenges maybe in attracting talent? Because maybe those subs, those suppliers have those same issues as you potentially have of attracting that talent to get up there. For sure. So I'll speak in a bit of generalizations here. So keep that in mind because it doesn't apply to every project. But we are generally doing the work that we do, performing some of the larger projects in the area. And that is normal for us to be on bigger projects with bigger electrical, mechanical, drywall scopes, whatever it happens to be. And the core supply of trades in the region up here are primarily working on residential projects and cottages and Not that they couldn't complete that scope of work, but it doesn't always fit perfectly with the purely local trades. It it might be a project that's just too, they're not confident that they can meet timeframes or schedules or or it's just too big of a job for them. And, And they'd rather do five smaller residential projects than our big condo. And focus on what they're good at too, right? They know the ins and outs. And so we end up, we'll source trades from larger regions that are more used to work like that and can deal with it, have the resources and capacity to deal with it and the experience. And it's a better outcome typically for the project itself. I mean, we've got trades from Barry, Aurelia and North Bay that we work with regularly and they are 
if I could categorize, not that they don't do residential work, but we see them as kind of commercial guys that do the scope of work and, and we can rely on them to get a big scope of work done for us without putting them underwater in terms of just resources and capacity. And we tend to use those trades often on our projects and get good results. So as much as we can try to use local resources, because there is a better, there's some advantages to that, but sometimes you have to kind of do a wider region that either in Barrie or North Bay that services the Muskoka area. So that hard sell is different for people to join your team and kind of showcase, you know, what kind of environment it is like and the opportunity it would be like to work with Greystone or a company similar in that nature, right? For sure. We've worked hard at trying to attract talent to this region and, and talk about the advantages of being up here. And we've definitely had success. We've pulled supervisors and project managers from more grown-up regions down south in Hamilton, GTA, Ottawa region, even at a province. I think once they really can see what it's like up here and or if they have a connection to the region, they understand it. I mean, we are doing the same type of work that they would be doing anywhere else in Ontario or in, in the country. You just get to do it in a beautiful setting, or at least when you go home at the end of the day, you're already in Muskoka. And I think that's the biggest advantage by far of, of being up here is the quality of life. Again, if you're into the outdoors and love the region, then you're already here on a Friday of a long weekend. You drive home uh, 10 or 15 minutes away from the office and you're you're already in Muskoka. So it and there's other folks that are going to be on the highway heading north for three hours or four hours. I think people are going to love that, that 10 to 15 minutes, because down here, even if you're technically with no traffic that far away, it could be half an hour before you get home. I'm three kilometers or something like that, door to door. And I love that. I mean, it's you can't beat it. I think there's you know an element there that folks at a certain part of their career, or at least they can see the advantage in being up here then they jump at the opportunity. And there is a lot of opportunities up here, not just with Greystone, but with other companies, good companies that are looking to hire top-notch people. And we're no different, but we definitely have had a harder time in the past attracting people up here. I think the effect that COVID may have had on the job market, it might actually knock down some of those barriers. Yeah. Like there's Maybe more people that want to be in an area that has lower population density and further away from major centers, that may work well for us. Well, because also those, how would you say it, close by luxuries, convenient luxuries, shall we say. They're not as convenient anymore and they aren't quite luxuries because they can't really use it all that yeah. much at the moment, right? So they're looking at a, at a quality of life standard as opposed to, hey, I can just head down to this pub or this restaurant or the show or whatever the case might be, right? You're right. And at the same time, when you drive around Huntsville or Bracebridge today, there's small breweries popping up. There's some really cool stuff. The downtown's getting redeveloped, you know, a little bit at a time. So we have these really, really cool communities here that are just packed with action every weekend in normal times anyway. And yeah, it's. I mean, that's why it's such an amazing tourist destination is because there's just so much to see and do which means when you live here, you just, you don't run out of options for sure. Well, you know, I'm curious about that just to take it one step further. You know, I'm always curious with some of these new commercial projects coming up. We've all seen it in the cottages, right? The timber construction, the exposed timber. It feels like it's gaining more traction down here in urban centers using timber for construction. And we know in the West Coast, they've been doing it for a while. Is that something that's being used a lot more in the Muskoka area to kind of showcase that kind of cottage feel, but it's still a commercial space or I like the design preferences. You've been in both spaces or like the design preferences 
Are they just different from urban centers? Definitely. There's a look that many, I would even say most of our clients are looking for that has that Muskoka flavor. Greystone is known for a certain look. It's this kind of traditional Muskoka architecture that we've implemented in different ways on a lot of our buildings that we built in the past. More recently, we've been trying to evolve the look a bit to more of a modern Muskoka, if you can categorize it as that architecture. Oh, 100%. I saw on your website, the, the air, was it the arrowhead? That to me is like a modern Muskoka, if you could say. <laughs> that is a cool building. And we can't take credit for the design there for sure, but we built that and that's a great example. And so we've tried to implement more of that into our design build projects, more of that kind of look. Definitely involving wood and timber elements is a huge part of that. It's just how you do that is how you achieve the different looks and feels and swinging over to what usually inspires those looks is is a lot of the architecture that's happening on the lakes and on these high-end cottages. And I think there's more people experimenting with more of those types of modern designs, big windows, floor-to-ceiling windows, and more clean lines and even flat roof areas rather than that, that traditional peaked roof style. So yeah, we're trying to keep with the times and, and also keep up with all of the continual evolution of building codes and building science. As you know, I mean, this area, we deal with some pretty intense climate extremes in terms of the cold and the snow, and we still have beautiful summer weather. There are products that we lean towards on our design build that certainly seem to work better for us up here from a construction logistics and feasibility perspective, having, you know, up to five months of winter type weather. And one of those products is ICF. So Insulate Concrete Forms allows us a ton of flexibility in terms of building through the winter. A lot of buildings are built that way up here. And I think people see the benefits of an amazing product, even from a long-term heating and cooling perspective for a house or a commercial building. I'm going to put my contractor hat on now because, as you know, I, you know, I'm a contractor as well. We're talking about getting trades and suppliers from, you know, the bigger pocket areas to come up to that one and a half hour, three hour kind of driving radius almost. We're talking about, you know, the timber construction, the massive windows. Are clients' expectations on budget realistic up there? Because <laughs> I think we've talked about this before, right, in terms of how do you present it to them? Because I feel that value of uh, or that concept of value engineering might come into play a little bit more there to you guys have maybe have to spend a little bit more time showcasing you know how you bring value to each of these projects with the ICS with the big windows and so on and so forth right that's totally just you hit the nail on the head there I mean a, a big part of what we do and what I think our clients get of value from Greystone is just our contribution to value engineering and trying to make sure that the, the design and the constructability of the building is feasible for their business goals. I mean, they have a pro forma that needs to work. It needs to produce a reasonable return or else there's no project. And so we work really hard at the early stages, um, pre-design, when we're working on putting together a proposal to try to make sure we nail that. And that often means you have to look at different building materials or different ways to construct that both will function extremely well for that client. I mean, we stand behind our buildings and we want to see them performing well 20 years from now. Yeah, we don't um, want to just last the right. one-year warranty period. Exactly. Right? <laughs> exactly. That's not how it works up here, that's for sure. Everybody knows who you are and what buildings you built. And so you can't have them sitting around deteriorating or performing poorly. It can significantly affect business in the future. So 
we want to make sure we're doing a good job with that and making good recommendations. And then if there are budgetary constraints, we do our best and we think we do a good job at it, being creative to come up with solutions to make that work for our clients so that they can have a project that works for them and, and works well. And so, you know, we have engineers on staff, we have architectural technologists. I think our team is very talented, very well educated, and I think maybe not a traditional general contractor per se, more of what you would put together for a team of design build contractors, construction managers. I mean, it's amazing the issues we encounter and the solutions we're able to come up with. We have a lot of great projects and proud of what we've put out there for sure. That's awesome. Well, tell me a little bit more about Greystone. Where did they start from? What was the initial vision? Has it evolved? What are you guys doing going forward? How did you kind of build this whole team of designers, architectural technologists right through the finished product? I'll try not to take too long to answer that one. It's a definitely could talk about that for a while. But no, the company was started in 1995 by Pat Dubay. He's the guy that started the company and only started with a handful of carpenters that he knew. And he worked on site at the time and helped coordinate projects. And really his background was in more of the commercial side of things. I think at that time, early stages of Greystone, he definitely did a few residential projects, but that design build commercial side of things was his strength. And that's just what he ended up doing projects in that realm. People saw the projects and noticed them and referred to him and it grew from there. We expanded, we, you know, we've now have done a huge portfolio of fire halls and public sector projects that have won awards as well. And, you know, on the private side, if you drive through town, I mean, there's just, you go down the street and you can point to buildings. So that's possible in a small town, of course. And when you've been around for as long as we have for 25 or so years, that happens. But we talk about the team here and how it's developed over time. I mean, one of the things Pat and I talk about is you end up hiring people that are sort of like you in a lot of ways that think the same way as you. We are not an extra hungry, change order hungry company. We do not we do not like that game, that traditional game that a lot of folks play. And we actually try to mitigate costs. If there's costs, we'll try to find out ways to save money somewhere else to net it out to neutral and not have to go through you know 700 pages of paperwork to get to the finish line. We do well by when our clients do well. We want everybody to be shaking hands and happy at the finish line and, and have good projects that we're proud to be have been involved with. And our last project is our best reference for future work. So we feel we can't have bad projects. We want everything to be successful and have happy clients at the end. And I think Pat's done an amazing job of that over time. And that's why we're successful to this day. And we continue to do that. So you always had the vision of building the Skoka, as it were, and building that out. Because right now you guys focus on showcasing, you know what, like we really want to build up Muskoka and showcase it as not just a destination place for visitors, but a place to stay and grow and live, right? For sure. We want to see Muskoka flourish and, and continue to grow. And there's constant challenges to that. So we're involved with hospital fundraising to make sure that our hospitals are staying and are healthy and have you know the funds to continue to be here. There's been talk over the years about the Huntsville Hospital potentially relocating to a central location between here and Bracebridge. It's a local issue, but it was a major issue for us and really the community I think we've gotten past that, but, you know, we have local hospices that we've been involved with building in building and helping to fundraise. And we're really proud to be invited to be a part of those and help make them successful. Yeah. Some of the services up here, it takes 
it seems like it takes more of a community effort. Like a lot of these services rely on fundraising and donations from local, either seasonal residents or businesses like ours to survive. And so we try to stay involved in the community and make sure those services can continue. And so everything we do is sort of a part of that, whether we're fundraising for something local or just helping to encourage growth and see developments continue, because that also helps the town continue to provide services that it is providing and grow those services. What do you see for the future for Muskoka? Do you see like a dip at all? Or do you think, I think you touched on it earlier with COVID, people are trying to, or people are seeing that maybe, you know, they can have that live, work, life experience a little bit more up there. From a residential side, definitely real estate has seen a spike around here. I think supply is not as high as it has been in the past, but demand is very high. So prices have shot up pretty significantly up here and all the real estate agents that I know are extremely busy and nobody can believe the the way the price of things still far lower than the price of things in the GTA. And I think that's why you're seeing people invest up here is they can't believe what they can get for a million dollars, right? So I think that is something that we'll see strong well into next year on the residential side. I think it has like we said, spin-off effects for the work that we do. I think we're feeling like work's going to be pretty busy until at least the end of 2021. Is there a correction at that point of some kind? I'm not sure. I would, They're all I would say anyway, that, right? <laughs> yeah, I would say that the worst case you'll see is not necessarily, in Muskoka anyway, not necessarily real estate correction or market correction, but just a softening, a gentle softening to return to sort of the relatively slow and stable growth rates that there has been over the last 10 years. We don't see a lot of the spikes that some of the bigger centers see. We, we generally are slow and steady growth outside of the exception of the last, I would say, four years. It's been really busy here. From your perspective, what are some of the more fun projects that you've been involved with? What do you think in your mind stands out? It's kind of like, you know what? Hey, check this one out. It looks awesome, but Back end might have been challenging. We overcame some of those challenges. What kind of sticks out in your mind? Oh, man, so many, so many <laughs> examples. But this was maybe seven years ago. We won a pretty big design build fire hall project in Aurelia. It was their a new fire station, new headquarters, a 911 call center. We did that design build and we won this competition. And I think the initial pre qualification had. I don't know, 20 or 30 submissions from all over the province. I feel like we entered that one sort of under the radar, like no one maybe really knew about us. Location was great for us. We went at that really hard and won it. And I think that really elevated our profile in terms of what we were capable of. Had a good architectural team and and design team there. But beyond that one, I think even better was there was a project that came out for, again, design build, but it was local. It was in Bracebridge. It was a joint project between the town of Bracebridge and the district of Muskoka. And it was a Bracebridge Fire Hall combined with the district EMS station. So massive building, big site, challenging site. And the task was come up with a floor plan and a site plan that makes sense for a dual operations that have some shared services in the middle so that it's efficient and functional and all those things. And we ended up winning that competition, building that building. And it's just a really cool building and a really great project went really well. And it's just good to see that type of significant building. We incorporated some, there was a bell tower at the existing fire hall they were using. I think it's over a hundred years old. And we 
relocated that to a new bell tower and the new building. It's just really, really cool story, the whole thing. And we were just so happy to have the opportunity to work on that project. We went at it really hard because we just didn't want to see anybody else build that locally. So that's a cool project, but we've had... It sounds like you've got tons the of them. <laughs> oh, there's, there's hospice buildings that are very unique stories because we were involved with helping fundraise them. And so there's a kind of a unique touch point there for us anyway, something special for us. And then there was a building that we built prior to the GA coming here that for a period of time, the University of Waterloo was involved with it. It's since changed hands, but it was just a really cool building. Had to be done in eight months and it's not a project that you would normally do in eight months. We tell us there's lots of stories about that project too, but yeah, lots of cool (laughs) stuff. No, that's awesome. Well, you know what? Tell some of our listeners, you know, if they wanted to get a hold of Greystone for actually doing some of those unique design build work up there, or if they're interested to see what kind of opportunities are up there, where can they find you? Where can they find out more about Greystone and everything you guys do? Yeah, I would say the easiest thing is go to our website. So graystoneconstruction.ca. That's got pictures of past projects. I wish it was a little more up to date than it is, but of course, priorities, I guess. There's contact info info there. If you're interested in a career or reaching out, definitely let us know. I'm always happy to network and meet people that might be interested. At the same time, if you've got a cool project that you're looking at, whether it's in the middle of a lake on an island or it's an office building there's a way to do it and we're the ones to be able to figure it out that's for sure <laughs> that's awesome buddy it was great to have you on john it's awesome hearing about you know your adventures from when we graduated from some of the fun times we had back in university and to see where you're at now yeah no thanks a lot it was great to talk to you Arul. and occasionally i think back to those university days and yeah that was to put it lightly a ton of fun that's for sure well, let's not talk about how much we remember of them, but... <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, buddy. Have a good one. Yeah, you too. Thanks a lot. Well, that was pretty amazing to hear how the Muskoka region, which is north of Toronto, has just been growing and growing and people moving more and more up there. And amazing to hear what Greystone has been doing up there to, to build more of these communities and trying to attract more talent. So happy for John and his successes and wishing him nothing but the best in the future going forward. And if you are interested in a new career uh, in shaping Muskoka region or in rural communities, there are challenges, but it sounds like it's fantastic and thought provoking and a lot more design build challenges where we're able to think outside the box. Definitely reach out to John, reach out to Greystone. Uh, as he mentioned, there are a few other companies up there, but definitely go up. Uh, the region is expanding so much more and Hope you had an enjoyable time listening to it. Coming up next, we've got Andrew Peel from the Peel Passive House Consulting. We're going to be talking more about this concept of passive houses and how they're different and uh, some of the challenges they're facing in getting more notoriety. But I really feel it's something that's important that we all need to consider in our day-to-day lives and how we live and just how important having a passive house could be. 